Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm here with Sheikh Hamid bin Jassim Al Thani, who is the former Prime Minister and Foreign Minister of Qatar, and we're in his home in Doha. Thank you very much for having us here. Pleasure, David. So for 20 years, you were the Foreign Minister of Qatar, and for another six plus years, you were simultaneously the Prime Minister. So is it a pleasant uh, situation where you don't have to worry about all those problems anymore? You're retired from those jobs, or did you love those jobs so much you wish you had them again? Well, wish them again, no. Uh, first of all, the, for many reasons, history doesn't go back. And the second thing is that I think uh, every part of your life has, if you know how to use it, you will, you'll be excited in it. And I used my life from the beginning when I was junior in the governments until I become minister and uh, municipality, minister of electricity, minister of foreign affairs, prime minister, deputy prime minister, prime minister. Uh, it took me a journey of, of uh, 30 years of working in the government, 32 years actually. And for me, I think and I believe that's more than enough. Uh, I, I believe uh, now I have a new chapter. I don't believe in retirement, but I believe that every age, every time of your life, there is something you can do and you can uh, do it and uh, add value in your life and around you. So now you're spending a lot of time with your investment activities, which are quite extensive around the world? I am doing that and I have my own, my father and my own charity, which we are also, I'm involved in it and I'm pleased with it. And uh, I built it uh, since my father died. And uh, um, I think that's also uh, for me is a very important part of my function or my life daily, especially with all the situation around us now in Syria and in Turkey, and you see this tragedy in, in other places. So it gives me pleasure to, to, to work in that and to do with, with my team. And uh, yes, I'm doing business all over the world. Um, and uh, this is uh, not only to do business, but as I told you, to, make a, to be an, a fellow which you can add value for yourself and your family. So let's talk about when you were prime minister and foreign minister, I should add, you were also the chairman of the QIA, the Qatar Investment Authority. So that could keep you pretty busy with all those jobs. Uh, as the head of Qatar Investment Authority, you made some very large investments for Qatar. One of them is in Har Harrods, with department store in London, the famous Shard building in London, uh, investments in Volkswagen and Barclays and other things. So um, those investments seem to have worked out okay, but how did you manage being the foreign minister, the prime minister, and the head of QIA at the same time? Doesn't that take a lot of time? Uh, I think uh, it was tough for me because I was working with no weekend. And I was working um, sincerely more than what I should do. And it's, uh, if, it's, uh, if it's a candle, it will be burned by now completely. 
Uh, I, I, even in my vacation, I was working and meeting people. You know me, and I, right. uh, for long, we, we meet in my holiday, and, and we, we see each other, and we discuss business. Uh, it was tough, but it was a challenge, because at that time, we started QIA with no money, literally. And we started with nothing, aiming that the gas will give us flow of money. So we started with loans, actually. Most of these transactions been done by loans from the banks. And thanks God, uh, the plan work. We get a good revenue from the oil and gas, from the gas, actually. Oil, we have very little oil. But uh, that revenue all went to the investment authority. As we talk today, it's uh, been rumored in the press that QIA is looking to buy up a team, a very famous team in the English Soccer League, Premier League, called Manchester United. So I don't know whether that will happen, but uh, are you surprised at the interest in the Middle East about the English Premier Soccer League, when there's so much interest? Many uh, countries here seem to have investors who own teams there. Are you a big football fan yourself? David, you know that I am not a football fan. And we talked about this a few times, and uh, for me, uh, I don't believe uh, or I don't like this investment. Maybe it work well, but uh, you know, some of my son like this and they always uh, discuss with me why we don't invest in these things, why, and then they are pushing hard. For me, um, I, I thought this is not my specialties, let, us, let me put it uh, like this. I'm an investor. If it will be one day as an investment, good investment, I will think about it. But if not, I will not look at, look at it as uh, something just for an advertisement. I, I, I'm not at that category. The World Cup, when it was here, was an investment by your country and I guess attracting people here and millions of people came. Was that, in the end, do you think a good investment or not clear yet? Let me put it this way. I, you know me, I'm always frank. If it was my choice, it will not be done at that time. When I was in the government and prime minister and this idea come by his highness, the emir father and his crown prince at that time, Sheikh Tamim, they know that I'm against uh, that idea because I think there is a lot of money and effort will be spent. We can spend it in something else and it will be good for the people and the country. But if you ask me now, I will tell you there was a lot of uh, outcome, positive outcome out of this. Look at the people which they visit Qatar, and I know most of them from the business communities and people which they are active in all over the world. They came, some of them, first time, and they are coming again. They are bringing their family. So start working that people saying, ah, there is a place. We, we did not see it. It's a good place. And the outcome of that tournament was positive from different way. Good organized, uh, well organized, uh, organized, despite all the noise, negative noise, last 10 years, which we hear it about it, it come the outcome when we said no alcohol or the government decide no alcohol, we find uh, people thinking, ah, that's good. I can take my child, my girl can go alone. Nobody can talk to her. Nobody can, you know, uh, there was no one incident happened. Organization was excellent. And I think this is the first and the last one where you can see 
the matches in the same day and you don't miss any matches because how close is it? In the, so it was unique for the, the outcome was good uh, in, in, uh, for the country. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's talk about your country for a moment. The country is uh, a very wealthy country, maybe the wealthiest country in the world per capita. Where does the wealth of the country come from? Well, uh, the wealth of the country, as you know, came from oil and gas, and mainly gas now. And um, I think uh, this is, you know, we cannot say that we contribute uh, in it a lot. We contribute to take it out, maybe, in doing the right decision with the right partner. But uh, that's, I don't think that's an innovation. You know, when, when you say you are, you, how you get your wealth, uh, if you are a country without any resources and you do well, like Switzerland, like uh, Japan, uh, these countries, they have no resources and right now they are, they, their GDP is high and they are doing very well. Uh, but for us, um, the challenge will be, okay, with all this wealth, what you are going to do with this wealth, how you can preserve it for the future. Uh, that's the challenge. So when you were growing up, this was not extremely wealthy city no country? It was not wealthy city, definitely. It was a moderate. You know, at that time, if you compare the 10 countries, rich country, it's very, very strange. In the 50s or the 60s, one of them is Lebanon and Egypt. Not you, the American, not us in that list. Right. And you see now how things change. Well, when I first came here more than 30 years ago, there was only one building that was more than four or five stories. It was a hotel. Now, That's true. Uh, Doha looks like Manhattan, except it's more modern than Manhattan in many ways. So it's a stunning uh, example of what you can do with the wealth if you deploy it appropriately. But all these buildings, who is occupying these buildings? Are these local people? Are these oil companies? Who's occupying all the buildings and the, and the residences I see now? Well, I think, you know, it's same when you go to New York and now you find oversupply in office and in commercial. I think we have oversupply now in the market because this is, was a good business for everybody. So everybody was doing a, a building, either office or residential or retail. 
uh, aiming that it will be rented by one of the companies or, or because there was, a, and still there is a lot of work. Right now, I think uh, the people have to study what is surplus, and I think we have surplus in the offices and the retail, not maybe the residence, uh, the residential part. Uh, but it is it need it need carefully for any investors to make his own calculation. I think now we are in oversupply, and we have surplus, which the effects start to be felt. Uh, in the financial market. Now, when you were foreign minister, you were jetting around the world a fair bit trying to solve a lot of problems, and you did solve a number of them. Uh, one that has not yet been resolved is the one you've worked on a lot, the Palestinian issue. You have a very close relationship with many of the Palestinian leaders. Do you see any way in your lifetime or my lifetime there'll be a resolution of that issue? My dream is to see this solved and see that we live with the Israelis, the Palestinians live with the Israeli in a peaceful country because they are, both of them, they are um, talented people. Uh, the Palestinian and the Jew, they are talented people. And one day I told them a joke. If they become united or work together, we should be scared from them, both of them, uh, in my opinion. But when, uh, that's need leadership in both sides would like to take step. It's not a leadership in America to push them. We need a leader, facilitator, it have to be United States, the facilitator for that, and the Arabs, very important to be part of this. But it needs two leaders, and they are not there at the moment, from the Palestinian side and from the Israeli side. We need another rabbin from the, from the Israeli side. From the Palestinian side, Abu Mazen, now, he did what he did in Oslo and things. Um, I, I don't want to evaluate the guy, you know, he's a friend and I know him, but I think we need to see a new leadership which have commitment uh, from the Palestinian side. I don't believe to solve the problem, to do Abraham things, or I, I think this is an, um, in a kind of, uh, I'm sorry to say this world, I think this is childish. Because we are talking about normalization. We have no problem with the Israelis to, ha to normalize this, the, the situation. We, have, we talk with the Israelis daily when I was in, 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 in my office. They was having office here. Even when we shut the office, we was talking to them from the intelligent to the foreign ministers to the prime minister. And we can talk to them. but. To do kind of uh, uh, build uh, a new idea with no vision or no target, peace target, I mean, unreal, not just to talk. Uh, it's too early to do all this unless you have plan what to do. Because what I'm worried that within 10 years, if there is nothing happen, within maybe before that, we find ourselves in another intifada in the Palestinian side, and we will find the Arabs here, the street, saying what you are doing as a government. So the uh, Abraham Accords are, have not been uh, signed by Qatar yet, or maybe they won't. Uh, you see that's not likely because you say it's not gonna solve the problems that you think are important. Well, maybe our government sign it one day, I don't know. I'm not part of the governments, but, but in my opinion, I, I think this is um, 
tell me what we'll gain from this. The relationship, we have relationship. Everybody have relationship with, with, with the Israelis. All these countries which they did, the Abraham, they have a relation with, with Israel. We don't need that. We need all of us to talk to the Israeli and tell them, look, we will do normalized business, we'll do embassies, we'll do, like in the Arab plan, which uh, King Abdullah said, even better than that. But let us sit and try to find the solution in the ground. Now, many people in the West were surprised when there was a dispute between uh, Saudi Arabia and UAE and Qatar a few years ago. It's now resolved. Um, the essence of that dispute was never that clear to people, but you think that's now way behind the countries and that's not, not going to come back again? Uh, it is way behind. Uh, come back or not come back, I don't know, but I wish not. But I think everybody learned his part of that conflicts. Everybody learn and learn where is the red line for each country. We know, they know our red line, we know their red line. And I think that's important to know uh, what is good now that there is a good momentum. And I want this momentum to be reflected in the GCC. The GCC is dead since 12, 13, even when we are, when I was a foreign minister, the GCC was dead last 12, 13 years. We only use the GCC when there is crisis, military crisis, or we need to take a decision. Uh, you ask us to take a decision in the region and need to be in the name of the GCC. I want the GCC to be more affected in the life of the people so they feel that they have benefit from this unity between the GCC. GCC is still, it's not there. Are you worried about Iran? Many countries in the Arab world are worried about Iran, is, but Iran was somewhat favorable to you when you had your dispute with Saudi Arabia. That's so true. is Iran not as big a concern for you as it is for Saudi Arabia? Look, the first fear for me is not Iran. The first fear is us in the region, the way how we behave. I mean the leader, I'm not one of them. I think, if we can control our happiness and our frustration and when we are angry, to put it as a statement in a box and say, okay, we work, we have some difference with X country or that, but this difference have to be discussed in a civilized way. And also to look, okay, if we have challenges and if we agree Iran is our first enemy. Uh, how we can deal with this matter? Are we going to deal with it through direct negotiation, through war, which it's nobody want war, because that's not in our benefit? Uh, the problem that this decision is not with us, because we are not in the position at the moment, because of what I said about the GCC, to take that leadership for our region and say, okay, we have problem with Iran, we sit with them and discuss the details, frankly, and reach a solution. Because I believe we should live in the Gulf uh, area in a, in, a, in a harmony between Iran, Iraq, and the GCC countries. If we can do that, I think this is a big achievement, not only for the peace, for the trade, for the business, for the economy of that, all of this. They have over 100 million people. 
and uh, Iraq have like 40 million people. We have like 50 million people. You know, you are talking about 200, 250 million people, rich country with oil. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. When you were foreign minister for 20 years or so, uh, you dealt with a lot of great leaders, I assume, around the world. Were there one or two you were really memorable to you? You said, this person really is an extraordinary leader, and I really uh, learned a lot from that person. There is many leaders I met in my life from Japan, China, till the United States. I see all of them, and I saw the head of state of all of them. But to have a person's um, uh, there is a few guys which I met, and uh, either you are impressed by how they are clever or how they can manage. And I want to put it in a manage uh, position. And I think one of them is King Fahad of Saudi Arabia. He can manage the situation internally and externally in, in, a, in a way uh, good. Do I agree with all his policy? No, he doesn't also agree with all our policy. That's, but I think he's one of the leader. And the, the leader which I respect or, or for his country or what he's doing uh, in terms of Arafat and how he handled the situation with the Israeli, that all, almost it's like a movie. It needs a big, uh, not a series of, of movies, uh, how he dealt with every problem with the Israelis because I was part of, you know, of that with him and how he, you know, maneuver uh, through the, the things. I, I don't agree with all what he do, but he was doing it. Uh, uh, King of Morocco, King Hassan, is, is, is also a guy which I respect uh, a lot uh, as, as a leader in the Arab world. So in the United States, you met with a number of presidents, um, let's say, you, I guess, President Clinton. George Bush, the father, until the last, until I know Biden and I know uh, even uh, Trump, so I know all of them. Did you ever have a hard time getting to see a U.S. president? Or I think when you were in, you were saying, I'm coming to it Washington? It depends. It depends. Sometimes if they are upset from us, oh. it is hard. 
And sometimes if they are not upset from us, yes, I see them uh, in the White House. And that's always, it happens when Al Jazeera is part of, of the problem. Uh, I have to say the best relation we have at that time with uh, President Clinton, uh, and he's a great guy. He's a great guy, how he can manage uh, situation. When you were uh, foreign minister and prime minister, I sometimes would come to talk to you about investment matters, and I would see other well-known investment people coming before, out of your office. Before, before I am a foreign, before I'm a prime minister, and before I was for the investment, we was doing private, you know, yes, as, a, as right. a private client. Right. I was with you. With you. So you're, you're right. So, but how did you juggle? You have uh, you have a prime minister coming to see you, a foreign minister, an investment person. You have to change your brain for all these different people coming in. It was uh, you must have been working seven days a week to do all that. For me, it was not. It was tough, but I was used to work for long hours, so it was not. Uh, in the end, last two years, I felt inside deep me that I hate the job. I just want to leave. And this is maybe I say it lately in some programs that I was suggesting to the Emir two years before we left together that I want to leave. Yeah, you and the Emir both retired more or less the same time. Exactly. Uh, very often, uh, it's hard to give up power voluntarily. People lose elections, but here exactly. they don't have elections, so you, were, you, you were voluntarily decided to step back from that position with the emir. Was it hard to give up that much power, and you're happier now than you were then? I am happier, definitely. And if, and this is sincere, if somebody go and take me back, uh, I don't want to do what I was doing. It's done. It's enough. I did what I did. Right, wrong, I did it. Uh, at that time, I think I did more right things than wrong things. Uh, but also, I did things in a space of time, very short time. I did a lot of things, achievement, I think, which I'm happy. Uh, for me, uh, the world now so slow right. in decision that I will not be part. I, I cannot see myself to go and do that. All right, if somebody is watching and they say, I don't know much about Qatar, what would you say you would want people to know about your country? I think our culture is something need to be seen. People, what they know about us, they know about oil and gas, this rich people, or they know about our camel. We are proud about our camel, and we are also happy about the gas. But they have to see the other, this guy, which he owned the camel and owned the oil and gas. Is he capable? Is he did well with what he have? Uh, and that's the proof you can see it in front of you. You consider an incredible career in business, investments, diplomacy. What would you like to see your legacy be? Or is your legacy going to be your children? First, I want to be seen as a human being, Qatari human being. I am proud about this country, about my country, more than what anybody think. Uh, and I'm so attached, even I'm traveling a lot now, but I'm attached to this, uh, to this thing. So I'm proud that I'm Qatari. Second things, one of my legacy is my charity, which I'm building it very rapidly. That's something I need to leave it for my children. The third things, I need my children to work together, and that's very difficult. And I need to set an example for the families in Qatar and other regions, how the children, despite their different 
education, different ideas, how they can work together as one unity. That's a big challenge for me. Thanks for listening. To hear more of my interviews, you can subscribe and download my podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen.